Hallelujah. All right. Are we ready to do a little bit of work this morning? Oh, yeah. Good time. Good time. I got plenty of time to open up this filet. The words of Elder Johnny, let it smoke a little bit. Put it in the smoker and let it take its time. Take its time with <laughs> Take its time with this word. Y'all, um, y'all be be just in your spirit praying for me as I <clears throat> bring this word. Still can kind of getting over some some stuff in my throat as well. But I know um this one, this one's fire. So got to got to bring it as such. We're actually uh, starting a new series <clears throat> today called the the kingdom culture of faith kingdom culture of faith uh as you know well most of you uh maybe about two two or three weeks ago maybe maybe even a month we uh we hit that last message of the uh faith and unbelief con con confronting confronting unbelief everybody remember that that was a pretty dynamite uh session in itself where we where we dove in and really confronting unbelief what does unbelief look like manifested in a life how do I know I'm dealing with it even if I thought I wasn't dealing with it what are some of the signs that it might still be around and and be evident so we were talking about that and just in the name of wanting to keep the vein of faith continuing to go and to thrive with us I just felt like it was from the Lord. It would be fitting for us to just continue on in, in the subject of faith. So what we're going to do in, in, this, um, in this series is come from, for the most part, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Hebrews chapter 11 is, uh, for the most part, considered the hall of faith. It's called the hall of faith. And in it, you have diff different Bible characters that are listed. And they're listed there because of something that they did before God that showed him they had great faith. So if you read that, that's a good homework assignment for the week. Go home and read Hebrews 11 and you'll see just a snapshot of all these different people and what it was that they did and how they got into Hebrews 11 and how they got into the hall of faith. So we're going to take their lives and, and examine it. Take their lives, examine it, and see what it was that they did as far as how they came about being these people of faith or what it was that God saw in them to where he saw fit to put them in Hebrews 11. One thing I can say that makes me feel good is that there were no superheroes there. No, nobody, nobody had something more to work with. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let that sit there. Nobody had something more to work with. Nobody was superhuman or could jump really high or this, that, or the third. These were people who walked in obedience. Walked, walked out an obedient life before God. So, I'm excited for us to be journeying into that. But today, we won't necessarily get into uh, a biblical character, per se. Because I want to use today just to build just to build a framework for, uh, for where it is that, that God's going to be taking us in this series. So we're going to start in Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, I, got a few, I got a few other scriptures too, 
that uh, that'll be coming throughout the message. So if you got your notes, just make sure that, that you're ready to write down. You might not be able to go with me to all of the scriptures, but just write them down. But everybody can camp out in uh, Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'll be bouncing back and forth between the Passion Translation and New King James. Thank you, Lord. right there, Ryan. I feel God right now. For I hear the Lord saying, I want my people pliable again. If you ever played with Play-Doh as a kid or, or done any pottery making, you know that before you can get to whatever it is that you want to see manifested out of the dough, it first has to be pliable enough. It's got to be moldable. And I hear the Lord saying that he wants his people pliable again able to be formed into what I see fit of them being. And let me tell you something, that's painful sometimes. To be broken. And even, oh, thank you, Lord. Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house because the Lord's going to use as an illustrated sermon the potter using the, the clay on the wheel as something that he wants to tell. Jeremiah and in the New King James Version it says that <clears throat> the text says that the the uh, the clay was marred in the hand of the potter in the hand of the potter not in the hand of somebody inexperienced see something being marred I, it would make sense to me Miss Sylvia something was marred or broken in the hand of somebody that didn't know what they were doing but here it is the person who knows exactly what they're doing they're the potter the clay gets marred in their hand but what the beautiful thing about it is the hand of the potter never leaves them so even in the marring and in the hurting and the scarring the hand of the potter still stays of the potter is still there still staying and even in the marred stage is still guiding and directing so that what he sees in his mind's eye for me for you will still come forth and so father we thank you we thank you for your word and out of that we know that what you use to mold us is the word of the lord and so as we are about to embark on this journey in your word, I thank you, God, for strengthening your people. The grass withers, the flower fades, 
but the word of the Lord is the only thing that will stand forever. When you and I are long gone, the word shall still continue to be here, reverberating throughout the nations and throughout the universe, continuing to expand upon expansion upon expansion upon expansion, causing the universe to continue to move forward and to be. For he said, let there be. And it was. So from that place, God, we know we can draw strength. So I'm trusting their horses and chariots, their strength and their wisdom. But we know our miracle deliverance cannot be won by a man. We trust in the name, the name of the Lord our God who makes us strong and gives us victory. And so God, we thank you. Holy Spirit, please use me. Help me preach this like you gave it to me. You are so much more better of a communicator and a preacher and a teacher and a pastor than I am. I am an under-shepherd, accountable to the chief shepherd. And so, Holy Spirit, we make this space suitable for you to come and do what you do best. And may we all walk away strengthened and stronger than we were when this moment started, including the person holding this microphone. Jesus name somebody shout amen. amen 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 it's fitting yeah 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 let's put our hands together and bless God his presence has just been <clears throat> amazing Ryan man I could throw something at you right now bro yeah just don't hit the fingers <laughs> All right, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11. Everybody's there. Um, I think this is, this is the New King. No, this is the, uh, the Passion Translation. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Stop. I, I really, I want us to, um, you know, we, we're going to move with this, but, but I, I need us to engage and be studious and tap into that inner disciple with, with these messages so that we really grab on to what it is that's, that's being said and what God's trying to teach us. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality. Hopes into reality. How many people have a hope? Yeah. Okay. So that means you need faith then. Because the only way to get something from being a hope into something that is a tangible and real reality is I have to have faith at work. Because faith brings our hopes into reality <clears throat> and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. Now, we've spent a good bit of time here, anybody that's been here an amount of time, talking about the importance, the vital, vital importance of building and having and sustaining strong foundation. You must have strong foundation. For any kind of construction piece, anything that you're doing of any type, foundation has to be the thing that has the most time spent on it. You cannot rush with foundation and then spend all your, all your leftover time in something else. Because if you spend all your leftover time in something else and you didn't put enough time in the foundation, everything else that you have built up is going to fall because you have a faulty foundation. If the foundations be destroyed, what shall 
the righteous do. Can someone make sure that, that the uh, microphones are, are muted back there? I hear, I hear a, little bit, a little bit of a ring. So that, that foundation has to be there and has to be set because that is the thing that's, that sets the course for everything else. So the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. I read that again. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So if there is a case that is brought before me trying to disprove what it is that I claim that God has told me, if I have faith alive within me, that right there is surefire evidence enough that whatever it is that I am believing for is something that actually exists. Can I take a few moments and encourage someone that even in the midst of hardship and things looking like they are going in complete opposition, diametrically opposed to what it is that I claim that I believe or the faith that I have for something. The fact, Miss Paula, that the faith still exists within me, even if it is just a mustard seed size. I was told that that was all that I needed to cause something to move from one side to another. I was told that that was all that I needed to be able to say unto a mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea. I was told that was all that I needed to be able to call something transformational to happen within life and to touch generation after generation that I might not be able to meet because I have the faith that is needed and that faith is the evidence that if a case is ever brought up against me, I just show the fact that I have faith for it and that's all that is required to bring that thing to pass. Do we have faith? Do we have faith? And we see, we see how, faith, how foundational faith is with this. Go ahead to the next verse, Tristan, please. <clears throat> this testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. And as you read Hebrews 11, you see those previous generations and how God goes into detail of those people that, that he highlights. Verse 3. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated, beautifully orchestrated. God does not have to tell the sun to come up every day. He doesn't have to tell fall when to get started. He doesn't have to tell summer when to kick in. He doesn't have to tell the ocean every day you can only come up to this time. You can only come up to this far on the sand. He doesn't have to tell uh, the animal world the things that they need to do to survive and to thrive. All of these things are beautifully coordinated because there was a time where he stood out in nothingness and said, let there be. So in the midst of chaos and in the midst of hardship and in the midst of just this absolute mess, God looks at it and smiles because he says, now I have a project to talk to. And in my project to talk to, I'm going to say something and it's going to be enough. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. 
So we know that faith comes by God's word. And once it is within us, it invites us into the knowing that is beyond human comprehension, a knowing that created all that we use and seeing in the world. There was another, um, there was another translation that I meant to, uh, to put up there, the New King James, but I will just uh, flip to it right quick. That was, that was my fault. I should have put that in there. But it's still uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews has jumped out of my Bible. All right. Boom, there we go. So it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, the New King James Version. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. By faith we understand. So faith, so faith empowers us to see or the understanding. The point I'm trying to get at is that there is an under, a level of understanding and a level of knowing that I only get invited to when I step into faith. That's the point that I'm trying to get to. There is, a natural, there is a natural understanding. There's a natural logic that causes the natural world to be able to go. And there are a lot of people who flow in, in that science and in that Scientology and in that understanding. But it always has a limit to it. And it is always subject to the higher power, which is faith. See, most, most who uh, would mock our faith or mock who we are as a people, mock Christianity, would say that we are the weaker one because we have to trust in this big pie in the sky, big reasoning as to how all things came to be. So it is a sign of weakness, they would say, that you have to lean in on a God to be able to say that how everything came to be. But then those very same people are the ones who say that it is logical to say that one day nothing was and that all of a sudden, boom, something came to be. These, these are the very same ones who, who claim that theory. But I, I would suggest, and I, I don't want you to go out on a limb here. I'm still, I'm still a believer, but I would suggest that they are right. Partially. For in the beginning, we know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and, void and formless and, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be. So there's nothingness. There's nothingness. There's formlessness. There's chaos. The spirit is hovering over the waters. And then out of that, I believe that God's word was so strong and so potent and had such a cosmic reality to it that when he spoke and he said something, bam! There it was. And everything came out to be. So they're partially right. They just don't want to. They just don't want to give uh, the credit to where it was that the bang actually came from. Your God is a bang of a God. Your God, when He steps in, there's such a power that's in what He says, and there's such a power to who He is, and such a power that is around Him that when He speaks, things must, in a dynamite fashion, move and flow and move and get and get into a position in the place of what it is that He has said. There is a dunamis that is around Him, and a dunamis that He has placed not only in Himself but in those whom He lives. So if He lives in you, there is a dynamite power that is available within you to when if you open your mouth and allow faith to come forth and faith to come out into the midst of a situation there's a dunamis power that is available if you would say something and watch things turn 
around. There's a power. So there was a big bang. There was a boom. But it came from somewhere. And, and, and my, my faith allows me into that knowledge of knowing that. They don't know that because they don't operate in faith. That's the, that's the one to turn and the one difference between us. We operate in faith. They do not. Because, it, because Hebrews 11.3 tells us that by faith we know that the worlds were formed by the word of God. There's a knowledge in the education that only comes to me by faith. There's a level of education that you can only have by faith. And that level of education is not subject to a degree from a college. Come on, somebody. I, I need to talk to us for a minute and make sure we recognize and understand that we don't relegate God to a, an American institution or to an institutionalized education as if God can be put into some kind of form of study to be studied. He is God. He is the God of the universe. He uses the earth as his ottoman and as his footstool. He is the one in the heavens of the heaven cannot contain. He is the one that although he lives there, he can't be contained by it. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple the train showing all the victories that he's won every victory that he's ever had every victory he's ever had in my life every victory he's ever had in your life the one victory that he won on the cross everything being on that train he is the one who is great and greatly to be praised he is the one that is that a shout would go forth and it would break mountains in half that what comes out of his nostrils the smoke that comes out of his nostrils the fire that comes from him will melt the mountains the wax he's the one that makes the mountains low, makes the valleys high, makes the playing field as even as it can be so that his children are able to be blessed and move in a place of faith. We tracking? We tracking? All right. Get a little water. I feel my, feel my push coming. So, so, so it invites us into this knowing that's beyond human comprehension. A knowing that created all that we use and see in the world. Ages were created out of his words. That's what that word worlds mean in the New King James. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed. That word worlds means ages. Ages, uh, the aggregate of things contained in time. So everything contained in time. Everything we see, this is the power of God's word. Everything that we see, that we use, that we utilize, that we take advantage of in time was created because God said something. So into nothing, into nothing, God spoke. And we see that in the Genesis account. So, so when God spoke, God speaks into nothing. Creates everything. Creative prowess. Creative brilliance. Creative genius. Drips from him when he talks. He doesn't just speak to communicate now. He speaks to create. It's, it's a twofold. If God's talking to you, yes, there's a communication going on. But recognize that there's something deeper that's happening. There's something deeper that's happening when the creator of the universe takes time to conversate. With us as mankind. Anytime he takes that time to conversate with us, he's conversating with us because something needs to be created. So if that's the case, when a true word from God has been imparted into me, it will force me to move, to change, to become, to exercise brilliance, to think. Why? 
because we know that worlds were framed from him talking. So if, 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 if the planet, if the dirt, if the earth, which we are made of, if the earth got moving in a way to where there was creativity that began to happen and be birthed out of what it was that God was saying, then when God talks to the earth, 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 there is a creativity that's supposed to be birthed and come forth out of me because of what it is that he has said. So, so faith is my ticket into that understanding that's higher than where it is that I live. This is how we step into the legacy of God. This is how we, we step into the generations. And that's what Hebrews 11 is. It is, a, it is a legacy. It's a legacy of faith. It's a legacy that shows how strong faith is and what it is that I am connected to. See, that's why I can't just compartmentalize and try to individualize my life like it's just about me. It's not just about you. If you are within the kingdom of God, it's no longer just about you and yours and your parents and your bills and your this and your that you are connected to something that is so much grander and so much bigger hence why I have to flow in faith because there's something that's on the line that is greater than me and at the same time whenever I might be down or not feeling at my best I can tap into the legacy of those who have gone from the same position and gone from the same hardship knowing that the faith held them up so it'll hold me up It'll hold me up. It holds me up too because I'm connected to something that is greater than me. But faith is my ticket into that understanding. So the invisible reality of faith comes to me by hearing, hearing God's words. Go ahead and go to the next uh, set of scriptures. Okay, that's, uh, that's, that's John 1. Not quite ready for that yet. Uh, find Romans 10, 17 for me, Tristan, please. Romans 10, 17. Yes, sir. Thank you. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. This is how faith gets to us. Simple. Simple formula. Comes to me by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've got to be hearing, but I can't just be hearing anything. Amen. Am I careful on what I'm hearing? Amen. Am I careful on what I'm digesting? Am I careful on what is allowed into my sphere when I am in a journey of believing God for something? I cannot be careless with what's around me and call myself trying to operate in faith. The, the two will work against each other. Two are going to work against each other. When I'm not careful with what it is that's around me and what it is that I am hearing, what happens is things get in the mix that shouldn't be in the mix. We talked about that in, in confronting unbelief. How does unbelief get to me? It comes to me through what I hear and getting into the mixture of what it is that I claim that I am going after. So I must be careful of what it is that, that I am hearing. So the invisible reality of faith comes to me by hearing the word of God. This is a hearing that goes past just picking up vibrational frequencies with my ear. But it is an inner transformational encounter with the creative genius of God that sparks the brilliance within me. 
to be motivated in hope and stirred to obey what I have been commanded. But there is a there is a difference that we have to draw between the written word. Here we go. Between the written word. Uh, sorry. The word that's written and the word that is empowered by his spirit. So let's just put spirit. We have to draw a difference between these. Now, why do we have to draw a difference? Because just because you are in a space and a place where the word may be actually being read from does not mean that there's actually a transformation that's taking place in you. How many of us have either been or no? I can fit in both categories. Being in the presence of the word, being preached, being taught. It's the word of God. It's the Bible. Preacher is coming forth, bringing the word as they are. I left unchanged. Amen. Seen it. We've seen, we've seen it happen. So what, it, what is it that we have? We have to draw a difference between the two because the power only exists to the degree that I am able to hear right. It depends on what I hear. Do I just hear words coming off of the onion skin, onion skin pages of the Bible? Or is there something more that's being said to me? But it all depends on how I pick up on the frequency through what I hear. Do I hear something transformational being said to me? Do I hear something life-changing being said to me? Am I in a place of desperation enough to where I know that when this word comes forth, I know that it's something that's going to shift and has power to change everything in my life? Or is it just a story? Is it just something that I got to survive and make my way through for the week? I got to shift what it is that I'm hearing. But that only lies within my, my capability. I got to shift and transform what it is that I'm hearing. Now, there, there, are, um, there are three words for, for word in, in the Bible. Two of them I'm sure you're familiar with. We got Logos. We've got Rhema. But there's actually a third one that I, that I haven't heard talked about a lot. Grandma. Now let's rock and roll with this. Logos, Rhema, and Grandma. Logos. Go back to uh, John chapter 1, Tristan, please. John chapter 1. All right. In the very beginning... The living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. Verse 2. They were together, face to face. Check it. In the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration. Man. Fam. And through his creative expression, this it, through his creative inspiration, excuse me, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existence apart from him. Now, this 
This word, living expression, the word living expression, if you, most of the time in your Bible you see word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Word, and the word was God. And uh, go to verse 14 too. Let me stand to the side. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. And we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father overflowing with tender mercy and truth. So we know that the logos was in the beginning. And it's not an it, it's a him. Amen. It's not an it, it's a him. A word, so this is, this is the definition of it, logos. A word being an expression of a thought or idea. A thought personified. Hence why the Passion Translation calls it a living expression. Anytime that God or you and I, we've all we've been created in the image and likeness of God. Right. So in being created in that image and likeness, anytime that we have creativity stirring and flowing within us, we are supposed to use our words to give birth to that. Because we see that same model with God. When God had an idea, when God had something that he wanted to express, when God had something that was on his mind, he put it in a word and sent it to the beginning so that it could be there with him. And if you dig deeper within the definition, you see that this is actually, uh, it said that Logos was God's minister in the beginning. The word minister means servant. So Logos was standing right next to God in the midst of nothing saying, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to create? This is the power of the logos that is available with us. And the logos, remember, is not an it. It is a him. It is a him and it is a he. It is a him and it is a he. So God's full expression. Jesus is that full expression of God. Everything. Everything that God ever wanted to say to us about him, he put it in an expression and gave forth a word called Jesus. In giving forth a word called Jesus, Jesus comes into the earth and lives out a love letter. He's a love letter on display being written and read to us. If I want to know what God thinks about me, I look at the love letter of Jesus. My God, I look at the love letter of Jesus. When I look at the love letter of Jesus and I see everything in his expression to me, in his love to me, in his devotion to me, in his love for me when I did not love myself, in his mercy for me, and Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do, in his ability and willingness to forgive my sin and to exchange my sin for his righteousness. That is a love letter that God gave through the logos of an expression word and an idea that he had on his mind in eternity but wanted to speak it forth so that it was something that could become alive and shift and change all of the zenith of creation expressed idea I, I gotta find a way as to how I can express my love and devotion to them so I'm gonna speak a word and I'm gonna wrap this word in flesh and in wrapping this word in flesh, I'm going to send him. And everything that he does is a love letter being written. Every miracle that he performs is a sentence being written in the love letter to express to all who will read it. This is why Paul told us that we are living epistles being read by all men. Your life is the same way. Amen. What do people get when they read you? 
What do people get when they read me? Because they're reading. They are reading. What do people get when they read me? They might read the header of believer. They might read the header of they have faith. But when they get into the body of the letter. Come on. When they get into the body of the letter. Is what that was written there the same and bearing witness to the header that I'm quick to flash? To that header. And with the logos, we see that exactly what we saw in the header of King of Kings, Lord of Lords, being led like a lamb to the slaughter. We saw that in the body and we saw that in that full expression. So that so that's logos. Okay. So that denotes the essential word of God. That's how uh, John uses it in his, in his gospel. is used as the essential word of God. Uh, uh, it, was, it was his servant in creation and government of the universe, the cause of all the world's both physical and ethical uh, beings, from which the procurement of man's salvation, from procurement of man's salvation. So that's, that's Logos. Now, roll into, uh, I think there was, there was one more verse uh, after that, Tristan. Yeah, for there are three that bear witness in heaven. This is the same word, Logos. Uh, the Father, the Word, that's Logos, and the Spirit. Showing once again that this is a person. This is a him. This is a part of the Godhead. This is not just, it's not just the it. Now, moving on to, to Rhema. Go ahead, give me the next set of scriptures, Tristan. I think it should be James chapter 2. Yep, James chapter 2, verse 14. Now, flowing into Rhema. So Logos... Is if Logos is the man, Rhema is what comes from his lips. Because anytime we already established that when he speaks, he doesn't just speak to communicate, he speaks to create. So anytime the Logos brings forth something out of him, it comes forth as Rhema. Now what now what is Rhema? Rhema is the word, the word by which something is commanded directed or enjoined persuaded to act or commanded to do I, I, I got some stuff with this one I don't want to rush it though so receiving a rhema word from the Lord be it through the low well be it be it from his whisper so receiving a rhema word from the whispers that the Lord that the logos speaks to me should motivate me to act This is a clear sign that it is from God indeed. Because whenever the Logos brings forth something, he brings forth Rhema. Rhema in and of itself by definition commands me to move. I can't hear Rhema and stay still. I don't hear Rhema and stay the same. I don't hear Rhema and behave the same. I don't hear Rhema and keep the same excuses that I have held on to as to why life is not what it is that it needs to be. I take Rhema. Rhema in itself has a strength adding, in, a strength adding component to it. To where when it comes in me, it gives me something that I didn't have. And in giving me something that I didn't have, now I'm able to move into flow into something that I was not able to before. All right, all right. James 2. Now, we go in here. Because this rhema is what is going to give you ability to work 
with faith. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Because faith without works is dead. So rhema in and of itself has what's needed for me to be able to flow in the work in tandem with my faith. Let's go there. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Next verse. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food. Next verse. And one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, the work. What does it profit? <laughs> Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there's one God, you do well. Even demons believe and they tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Faith apart from, apart from works, that word dead means worthless, phony, lazy, shunning the labor which one ought to do. But we have to recognize and understand that God is not responsible for dead faith. Because, check it out, if, if the Logos, being God, speaks rhema, and it has the life-giving component and persuades and commands, this is the same word that creation heard. Creation just didn't hear anything being said to it. Anytime God talks, he's talking rhema. And rhema is the persuasion and command to act. So creation, her rhema come forth, was not only, not only persuaded, but commanded to. A command to act. We are talking about a king. We're in his kingdom. When a king brings forth a law and a decree, it is a command. So out of rhema, a command went forth to creation to come forth and do what God said needs to be done. Well, when God speaks rhema to me, why would I think that it's any different? It is a command that comes to me that inspires me to come forth and to act in what it is that God has said that needs to be done. Hence why, if I have dead faith, I'm not using that. I can't be using this and operating dead faith because last time I checked, every time he says something, things move. God's never had a moment to where something dead dropped off his lips. For the power of life and death is in the tongue. If he gave me that ability so much more, I'm very, very sure he operates in it. Amen. The worst thing that can happen to you is for God to stop talking to you. Amen. Because in the moment that God is no longer talking to me, I no longer have a rhema coming forth. And if I no longer have a rhema coming forth, there's no life-giving aspect that I have, which is why I can be a living dead man. 
And sadly, there are many around us that are like that. Hence why we must preach the gospel of the kingdom, not necessarily through words and microphones, but through how we live. That living epistle being read is able to bring forth a rhema to them and bring forth something that they need in their life and energize them and and bring them back the vitality and bring them back the strength based off of what it is that they hear or read from your life. What is being read that needs to be rhema it needs to be something that's real it needs to be something that has a power component to it that that connects them to the God of our gospel to the God of our gospel so God's not responsible for dead faith so if I'm dealing with it I got to check and make sure that I'm still attached to rhema so rhema is constantly used uh, commonly used in the New Testament to refer to the dynamite living words spoken by the Lord and to the believer to in birth faith his inwrought persuasion and I know I touched on this but I want to hit it again creation is both persuaded and commanded from the same word persuaded and commanded by the words of God So I must obey and produce, but at the same time, I have been persuaded that what's being said to me must be true. You ever heard, you ever heard something from God and it made you nervous? If, if you, if you're really hearing from God, then you will hear something that goes outside of your natural capability. God will speak to you and speak in such grandioseness that he speaks in a way to where it's something that's so big that I can't just get it done by myself. I can't just get it done just me, myself, and I. He will force me to grow up in what it is that I see and how I perceive information and how my spirit man is connected to him and forcing me to grow in a way that I might not have ever been forced a challenge to grow before. But that is the exact sign that God is talking to me. And when God talks to me like that, he is talking to me like that because he's trying to grow me up and get me into a place to where the rhema has such a grab and a grip on my heart to where I am commanded and persuaded I'm commanded and I'm persuaded I say yes sir if you said it to me then it must be true and even in the moment to where I might feel downtrodden in myself or lacking confidence I will not allow that to turn me away from what it is that you have spoken because at the same time of being commanded I am persuaded that if God would talk to me like that that if God would say something to me like that if God would have enough faith in me to give me responsibility with a vision like that then it must be able to come to pass and it must be able to be something that's something that's real in the earth and something that can actually be attained as long as I stay keep myself connected to faith commanded and persuaded commanded and persuaded both of them happening at the same time creation was commanded and persuaded both of them Saying at the same time, bring waters, bring forth fish. There's, there's no fish in us. But he said it. So there must be. And there was. Earth bring forth seeds and the herbs. There's nothing here. But he said it. So it must be. Bring forth transformation that causes your family to be turned 
for generations, generational curses to be broken and to be smitten under the power of God. Poverty to be destroyed. Sickness and lack and low self-esteem. Disobedience to my name and dishonor to my word. I want all that shifted. Well, God, that's all I see right now. But because you said it. I'm trying to stir somebody's faith in here this morning. Because God said it. It has to come to pass. That's the power of the rhema. It's the power of the rhema. There's more in me than just empty existence. There's more in me. And the same word was in Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 4, where it said that every word, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds, there's a proceeding life-giving factor to the word that's coming forth from God. That's why I got to stay connected. That's the power of staying connected because there's something that's always coming forth. Tristan, uh, give, give me that right quick up there. Matthew 4, verse 4. Let's see if we got noise waiting on it. So every, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God has that. But he answered and said to him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And go, go ahead with the, with the next one, too. I think it should be back to Romans. Yes. Yeah, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So all, all of these examples here. So word there, uh, hearing by the word of God, the previous verse, every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that's rhema. That's that word rhema that comes forth. So you see that, that, cre that creativeness that, that is alive within it and, and how at the same time it is a commanding there's a commanding that goes forth. There's a persuasion that goes forth when God speaks that. Now, what is rhema for you is set for you by God. And whatever the rhema is that God has spoken to you, it is important that we don't let anything or anyone downplay the rhema that God has sent to us. The word that God has given forth and the rhema that God has spoken may not necessarily be understood by those who don't have it. That's, a, that's what we got. We got to understand that because if I'm waiting for someone to applaud, affirm, come in agreement with the rhema that God has given to me. Now, I can't I can't be uh, 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 eisegetical and heretical and something that that's that can't be confirmed from from the word. But if there's something that that God gives that is not necessarily understood or someone doesn't want to agree or someone is not in agreement or or circumstances that are smashed in trying to talk me out of it I have to make sure that there's a protection that is on the rhema of what it is that God has spoken to me and keep myself in position of staying persuaded staying persuaded you've got to stay persuaded on what it is that God has spoken to you for I am persuaded Paul said that that which I have committed unto him is able to be kept by him until the day of the coming of the Lord there's a persuasion that comes from the 
word of God. You've got to stay connected into the fountain and flowing of the word of God so you stay persuaded that he's actually for you and not against you and that what is happening within your life is not something that's just trying to take you out or it's not something that's just trying to put you in a situation to where you can be smashed by life and die sad. That is not our God and that's not who he is. There is a kingdom that is able to be unlocked to us and it comes forth in communication of the rhema word but I have to stay connected to that rhema word by being persuaded by what it is that he said to me and out of that persuasion I don't stay still. I'm commanded to move. I'm commanded to act. I'm commanded to go and there is an action. That's the work. Faith without works is dead. There's a corresponding action to my faith that shows that I really believe this rhema that has come forth from me. Is there anybody in this building that you've got a rhema word and you are set and you are bent in your life that you are going to act on what God said? If I heard something, I'm going to act. I'm going to act. And that's why I do not allow what it is that has been spoken to me to be downplayed. Listen, heaven has sent forth a message to you in Ramah. That must be guarded. That must be guarded. That must not be treated casually. Because that's, that's the same substance that got going everything that's around us. It's the same thing. We just, we just went through that. Just proved it to you. It's the same thing. The same substance that causes gravity to hold us. The same substance that keeps the molecular structure of oxygen just right so that we don't die. The same structure that keeps the sun at just the right distance away from us so that it warms us at just the right temperature and doesn't scorch us. The same substance that keeps my heart beating at night. The same substance God whispers to you as an expression of something that is on his mind that he needs to get into the earth and chose you as the package. I cannot allow that to be downplayed. I cannot allow that to be downplayed. And we know, we know the word to, to be the bread. We know the word to be the bread of heaven. It is the bread. Man shall not live by bread alone. That's natural bread. So he shall not live by natural bread alone, but there's another bread that he can tap into. Jesus told us in John chapter 6 that I am the bread of life, and if you eat of me, you're not going to have a hunger again. What was he talking about? Rhema. There's something that I can give to you, and there's something that you can eat from, and once you eat of it, you will not hunger again. Why? Because Rhema doesn't have an expiration date on it. Rhema doesn't spoil. Rhema doesn't run out. Rhema doesn't spoil on us. So it's something that is constantly that's able to be eaten from. Natural bread can spoil. Rhema does not. And the rhema goes forth into the heart of a man. So we got logos and we've got rhema. We've seen the power. We've seen the power of what comes from his lips, the creative prowess of it. But if I don't operate with, within faith, there's a third one that I have to be watchful for. And this one is grammar. This is where we get our English word grammar. 
Anybody, you know, in, in school, they teach you grammar. That is just the, the, the syntax and the structure of how to speak, how to write, how to communicate as far as the English language. So the nuts and bolts of the English language. Let me get uh, 2 Corinthians 3.6 and I'm wrapping up. 2 Corinthians 3.6, he alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law. That's grandma, letter. On the letter of the law, but through the power of the spirit. So our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the spirit pours out life. The letter kills. What does, what does that word, so that word letter is grandma, which, come, which we get our English word grandma, grammar. So 2 Corinthians 3, 6 reveals how the Bible can be non-effective and even damaging to us when we engage it as a letter. If, when you look at the word grandma, it means letter of the alphabet, written document. And nowhere in research on this, on this word would you find any kind of definition that holds any meaning of imparting life. Grandma does not impart life. Grandma is just literally the, the ink on the pages in the book. You read grandma all the time. You read a menu. You read a book. You read in text uh, on, on your, on your uh, laptop or phone. That's grandma. It's just the nuts and bolts structure of what it is that you hold. And that, as, as powerful as we know this to be, as great as we know this to be, the love letter from heaven to earth, the instruction manual that teaches me everything that I need to know to have a successful life in God, if I don't approach it by faith... It becomes just words on a page. And in just becoming words on a page, I forfeit the ability to tap into what it is that I am holding in my hand. It's like, hold, it's like holding something of great value, holding uh, uh, some kind of relic or something that might be old. This is why people are so into antiques a lot. Because they're looking for that one thing that although it looks common... Is not. It looks common, but it could be worth millions of dollars. It looks like it doesn't hold something. It looks like it's just dusty and rough. It looks like something that wouldn't wouldn't be worth anything. It looks like something that's not that's not uh, able to have anything of value to it, and that's something that's been down for the count, and we can't ever bring it back. It looks like that, and once or, once or twice within your life, you might feel like that. To where there's something that's happening to you to where I don't feel like I have any worth. I don't feel like I have any value. I feel like this is something that is going to take me out and crush me and I have nothing into which I can bring forth to give to someone, to better someone, or to better anything that's happening around me. So when I feel like that, I need Rhema to come back to me and to lift me up into my life. But I get that from this word, from this book, this is Jesus in print okay this this is this is the lord this is the lord if i see it right the lord is able to bring forth something out of the pages of this book if i am able to hear 
if I'm able to hear, see, hear, I'm, I'm using those interchangeably because what's happening is it's, it's, a, it's a transformation in the heart. It's a transformation that's happening within the heart and within the depths of who I am. But I must be able to see this right. If I don't, then all it becomes to me is grammar. Grammar. And if it's just grammar, it, it holds no power to be able to shift or change anything in my life. But pastor, you said God is all powerful and as soon as he speaks, he creates and everything, that, everything that's around us came because he said, yeah, that's true. But there's a, there's a place where Jesus told the Pharisees, he said that you make, and help me with this, Pastor Anthony, make sure I say it correctly, you in your traditions cause the word of God or the power of God to be of no effect. Your traditions causes an all-powerful God to be restricted in what it is that can flow, listen to your life. Anyone else that is able to hear what he's saying and hear it on the right frequency and hear it correctly can have their sins forgiven. But because you won't hear it right. Because you don't receive it in the way that you should. It just becomes a parable to you. It just becomes a story to you. It's just grandma to you. It's just a letter. And the letter, Paul tells us, will kill you. Why? Because then it starts becoming rules and regulations and things to keep. And I, I wasn't called to that kind of life. I wasn't called to a life of making sure I check all the checks. I was called to a life of surrender and receiving life from what it is that he says to me. And out of what he says to me, listen, behavior shifts. So I have to focus on checking all the checks off. As long as I'm receiving rhema, as long as I'm receiving that rhema, babe, what happens is I am, I am commanded and persuaded to act in a way that fits with the calling. I don't have to focus on that. Because of what has been spoken to me, I fit with that because of what it is that he said. But as long as I just got grandma, I'm going to be looking to earn God's love. I'm going to be looking to earn something from him. I've done, all the do, I've done all the do's and stayed away from the don'ts, Jesus. So now I'm owed something. You didn't get it right. And that will's going to kill you. Amen. Staying on that kind of life will kill you. Because the word wasn't designed for that. That's why Paul said our ministry is not built on that. It's built on power of the spirit. And where does that power, how is that power communicated to us? Rhema. The life-giving factor of what he says. Pay attention to those whispers. Pay attention. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. We must pay attention to the whispers of what it is that God says to us. When the word goes forth, what is it that you are hearing? What do you hear? This, this is why you got, you got to zone in when the word comes forth. We got to zone in. Wow, we, we, need, we need the rhema. I need that life-giving factor. I need that. Otherwise, I'm going to be frustrated spinning my wheels in grammar. Spinning my wheels. Frustrated. This don't work. God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. 
and spinning like that. But let's tap into the rhema. That, that freshness, that fresh word that comes from it. Because Logos, we said it, his lips, when anything parts his lips, it immediately becomes rhema. If I can hear it right. If I can hear it right. Logo speaks rhema from his word. And faith makes the difference as to what it is that I hear. The Logos speaks rhema from the grama, it can be said. So from grama, Logos, who's a he, speaks rhema. But if I do not hear it right, it stays grandma and then turns into something that can become lethal if I get too much of it. You won't die physically, but there's a separation that can happen between you and God because this bridge gets built to where you feel like there's too many rules or too many things, this, that, for me to keep up with. And it was never designed to be that way. It was designed for you to hear from God, to breathe. I heard one, uh, a preacher say while I was studying for this, he said, I open the word and I read until God speaks. It's not necessarily about something that you read. You keep reading and you keep bringing in the word in you until he speaks. When he breathes on something for you. And that's your rhema. That's what I'm saying. We don't let people downplay our rhema. What God brings forth in you, we're not asking you to make a sermon out of it or something. I'm just asking you to get, get into the relationship and build the muscle of eating rhema. Because that's the word that's going to refresh your soul. And I do my best. Pastor Anthony does his best. Anyone else that takes this pulpit does their best to submit to God and go before God so that something fresh can come forth. That's not so I can be clapped for, but so that life can be given. Because if I don't, I don't want to just give grandma up here. I want to be responsible for killing. I want to be responsible for life being able to go forward. I want to be able to live a life to where I was able to say that I was a conduit of life. God could pour out life from me. That's how I hear well done. That's how you hear well done. Be a container that holds content of life and let the rhema come from you. And it has the ability to do that because of who lives in you because of who lives in you not because of some gift that you have no this is about who lives in you the word lives in you and therefore you have that ability to bring forth rhema to receive rhema and to bring forth rhema and shift the world that's around you every employer that's represented in here every business that's represented in here should be dramatically transformed because of your presence. Because of who lives in you and the rhema that should be alive in you. 
because Rhema's so fresh that once it gets to anybody, the Bible says the kingdom's like yeast. It may take some time, but there's a transformation that'll take place you give it enough time. That's in you. That's in us. But let's make sure that when the word goes forth, do we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? Let's put our hands together, family. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I'm going to say, everybody, go ahead and stand. We're going we're gonna to uh, get ready to be dismissed. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Bless you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the rhema that has gone forth today. We heard you, Lord. We heard you. We heard what you said. And we thank you. And for what it is that you have spoken, what it is that you have said. We thank you for the life that has come to us. But not only that, the life that we are able to give out this week, God. We thank you that you sent the logos. That he became flesh. So that we might be able to partake of this life. And so God, I bless your people. May your face shine upon them. Give them grace. Give them peace. Bless them and keep them. Cause something miraculous to happen within their life this week, God. Cause us to see you, God. Purify our hearts so that we can see you. And I thank you for the strength that has come forth in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Love you.